Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Well, I got my good buddy Tyler back. <laughs> for, for listeners that have been around with us for a while, that means we're going to talk about a book, uh, a book that we've talked about in our Zenium book club. Uh, and if you haven't seen some of the books that we've been reading, we've, we've talked about them on this podcast quite a bit. And we also have a website landing page that's just dedicated to all the books we've read. And Tyler, we've been doing this for how many years? Four? Four years. Four yeah, years. It's been a long and time. we've read, I, I think it's 30 books or so. Yeah, like if, for people so. who have been here from day one, they've yeah. read like 30 books. So we have an awesome list. I'm, I'll probably link to it in the show notes. Just that way you can access it pretty quick. But uh, it's a very worthwhile book club. I actually encourage other workplaces to get involved. So if you're listening, you're an HR person, and you're like, hey been thinking about this book club, do it. I'm telling you, it's it's the best thing. And not only can people learn from the books that they're reading, but like the discussion is so much fun. Like you, everybody gets different nuggets. And what would you say that like the value is from that? Yeah, I mean, you get different perspectives on, you know, books you've been reading. And it's, it's kind of a cool atmosphere to get a bunch of your colleagues together discussing a book. And they can pick up on things that you may not have uh, thought through or thought of uh, through the book. So it's 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 kind of a fun collaborative. Yeah, know, nature, and I think I like. the best part is we've developed so many relationships that are cross departments. So if you have a, like a a larger organization where it's impossible to get people to interact with each other, besides just you know normal passing in the halls, this is a great way to get yeah. to know each other. I think. Yeah. So no, I definitely agree. So our book uh, that we just, we finished up as a discussion probably three weeks ago. Uh, it's emotional agility, get unstuck, embrace change and thrive in work and life. This is written by Susan David, PhD. It's a best, uh, New, New York times bestselling author, I think, and book. Yeah. She did, she did quiet. Uh, yeah. Book. Quiet. Yeah. That's about introverts, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, introverts. Gotta love the introverts. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the stage for us real quick. So emotional agility, I'm going to just define it in, in her words that she had in the book. I thought it was it helps kind of just define what emotional agility is. We've heard of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's the difference, right? Yeah. Well, I think this helps. So the definition in her words, emotional agility is a process that allows you to be in the moment, changing or maintaining your behaviors to live in ways that align with your intentions and values. This process isn't about ignoring difficult emotions and thoughts. It's about holding those emotions and thoughts loosely, facing them courageously and compassionately, and then moving past them to make big things happen in your life. That's the end of the definition. Tyler, what sticks out in your mind about that definition versus what you've heard about emotional intelligence? Well, I think it's just more the the flexible nature, you know, being in, especially when you're coming across certain situations in in the moment, being able to be flexible and, and loose and kind of understanding the emotions that you're going to be feeling in certain circumstances. So I think it's that, it's that, you know, what sticks out is the flexibility, 
nature of it, being flexible in your mind and your emotions. So. Yeah. No, and I think like what we've heard about emotional intelligence, it seems to be a lot of self-awareness yeah. and being aware of other people's emotions. And for me, like the emotional agility is more about adaptability. Yeah. It's about, okay, if I, if I know what I'm feeling and I know what other people are feeling, like how do you, how do you sort of navigate through that to, to adapt and, and become a better person as a result of it. Yeah. That's a, that's a great perspective. Yeah. I agree. The author had mentioned that so-called our so-called negative emotions are often actually working in our favor. And you wouldn't like normally think that on the surface. Uh, and, and this ties in nicely with just the emotional agility, like just the adaptability nature of it. So why, why would negative emotions sometimes work in our favor? Well, I think it's all about, you know, a learning you know, mm-hmm. a learning period. So it's like, if you, if you're constantly, you know, being overtly, you know, positive and experiencing just you know, <laughs> yeah. over positive yeah. emotions, Wait, it's not okay to stay it's, in a bubble it, all it, day. It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, but you're not, you're not understanding, you know, when things go awry or things may go wrong, you know, how are you going to react to that? So you want to, the negative emotions and negative situations that occur, it's good to have those to kind of step back and kind of review them and how you react to them. To be, to be able to learn and, and kind of grow from that. Yeah, I can see like, say I'm at work and somebody gives me negative feedback on like on a project that I did. And I thought maybe it was it was great. And it was like, maybe not overly criticized, but it was criticized to a certain extent. And what I'm feeling after that, maybe I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm, I'm sad. Like I put my heart and soul into this, but yet it's not not good enough for this person. And this is a made-up story, but I'm just to give an example. But maybe we can take what I'm, that those negative feelings that I'd be feeling from that, and say, I'm going to step back. I'm going to I'm going to assess this from from the other person's perspective, and I'm going to say, Hmm. Well, maybe I didn't nail it the way I thought I did because obviously the other person didn't. So maybe there's an opportunity to learn in here. Maybe there's an opportunity to become become better and maybe to not react so harshly next time too. Yeah, I, and I agree. I think look at a lot of the the you know successful businessmen and and you know uh, scientists. You know, multiple times they fail. They they receive criticism, but they keep pushing forward. They learn from what they did and they keep pushing forward and they make you know, great products, you know, run successful businesses. I mean, they, they're able to understand those criticisms and kind of work into their favor. So much of it, emotional agility is about keeping the challenges and growth alive in, in your life. Uh, and that was the, like the, one of the things that stuck out to me is like, okay, you can turn some of these emotions that you're feeling and, and challenge yourself. And I think that was like the point about like kind of living in the moment and being being aware of what you're feeling and then using those to strive for greatness later on. I mean, what what stuck out to you about this in terms of like just the challenging yourself and growth? Yeah, well, I, one thing that stuck out was, you know, don't get complacent, you know, mm-hmm. don't always kind of remain, you know, in one state of mind for a long time. A lot of this is, you know, growing opportunities. So, you know, you know, don't necessarily seek out change and challenges but be be receptive to it don't be don't be stuck in one single-minded you know uh emotion so i think it's more just about embracing you know a lot of challenges that come your way and there's kind of learning from them grow 
Well, and it's hard. Like if when you're not when you're not pushing yourself, and I think this this is what this book is about is really about pushing yourself mm-hmm. to see things differently and, and react to to different things. But like this author talked about becoming too comfortable with pre-existing categories. She, she used a term called "we're using premature cognitive commitment." Which is essentially like an inflexible response to ideas, things, people, or ourselves. And it leads to heuristics. If for those that don't really understand what heuristics are, it's like, it's almost like a statement about yourself or about others that is like, it's an, it's an all the time thing. It's like, if you say, I don't dance, like you're, you're at a wedding and you're like, and you, somebody's like, come dance. I don't dance. Yeah. And it's probably built up over time based on experiences and it's emotional response to whatever is happening. And, and then over time, you're just like, I just don't dance. But yet, if you went out there and, and you felt the happiness that comes with dancing, maybe you would have you would have changed. You would have changed. You would have yeah. challenged yourself a little bit. But like heuristics can be dangerous because you just you label yourself. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's, I mean, you know, cha- you know, facing your emotions and negative emotions and, and all the change that comes your way, it's tough and it's not it's not an easy process. But I think when you push yourself, as you mentioned earlier, to kind of understand, you know, maybe maybe this is something that I would enjoy doing if I actually did it, or maybe this is something I can learn from if I actually kind of just step back and kind of took it in, you know, overview perspective of what's going on in my life. So maybe it's something you can actually enjoy in the future. Just maybe. So I think this is always about facing those those challenges it's tough but it was it feels uncomfortable it right yeah. like we just i don't mind staying in my bubble but yeah. but when i'm not growing and i'm not challenging myself emotionally or you know whatever it, it doesn't feel great yeah like you may feel comfortable but like yeah. does that feel great yeah i mean what, what are you are you gonna grow as no, a person i don't, I don't no, think so yeah. well how do we push ourselves so how do we how do we get out of this premature cognitive commitment where we're just staying the same all the time and and being inflexible. Yeah. I mean, in the book, you know, it mentions, you know, facing them, facing your emotions, but then also taking small increment steps to improving that. So I think it's like you can't you can't automatically, you know, like something that you didn't like before or, you know, <laughs> expect to, you know, expect to react to a, a situation in a, in a better, better mood or with more open arms than you did before. But it's those, taking those steps, those small steps. Uh, to kind of move forward yeah. and, and progress. This is totally a cheesy uh, thing, but do you remember that Jim Carrey movie years ago called Yes Man? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, okay, I'm not going to say yes to everything, but if you if you just said yes a little bit more often to things, you know, work and your home life, to friends, family, whatever, and you just tried something that you hadn't tried yeah. before, I wonder what that emotional feeling would be. Like if you just, for one day, you said, I'm just going to say yes. I know. And of I, course, like do things that are legal. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, stay yeah. within it's, the it's bounds of law. It's an interesting kind of concept. And, I'm, you know, the, the movie was, it really struck me too because it kind of plays into this book a little bit too. It's it just stepping, you know, say, saying yes to everything yeah. or just, you know, being more receptive to anything, any things that come your way, like just tr- overtly trying to do that. Yeah, I think that might be. You might find something that you never knew that you were that you could experience. Yeah, uh, exactly. And then this is all about like how do you live in the moment, and then how do you how do you capitalize on that? And I think yeah. just saying yes, I think could be one of those quick little things to take action. Mm-hmm. Because like uh, you know, how often are we talking with people? Or we're reading a book or we're watching a TED talk where we hear something that we hadn't heard before and we're like, wow, that's that's really interesting. But the gap between actually making change in your life isn't necessarily about just hearing the the those those different things that might push you. It's about taking action, yes. isn't it? Yep. 
Yep. And most of us don't. Like, I, I can't tell you how many books I read, but yet I don't even take action. Exactly. Yeah. I think it has to be that, that conscious effort to really, you know, say, hey, I want to I want to change something, you know, maybe a little bit about my life, you know, maybe, you know, grow and learn some, in some form. So it's kind of having that kind of uh, just fourth, you know, foresight and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to try it. I'm going to try something new and see where it takes me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I think a lot of times when you when you're experiencing an emotion, you know, you always you're kind of just caught up in the emotion, but you never kind of step back and say, well, why am I experiencing this emotion? Why do I feel this way? I don't think I think that kind of gets kind of left out and when people are kind of processing. I think you hit on the right the right thing there. Why am I feeling this way? And I think a lot of times we don't sit and reflect on that. I know I don't. Yeah. A lot of times we just feel like the anxiety in the moment or we just take it and and just sweep it under the rug, so to speak. But I think like this book and many other books that talk about like the just the uh, capturing your emotions and growing mm-hmm. and, and all that, it talks about writing and journaling yeah. and talking about the emotions that you're feeling in the moment. Well, like, what did you feel yesterday? What did you feel when you woke up? Like, what did you feel last week when a coworker criticized you for something? Like, what were you feeling in the moment? And sometimes we're not either talking to people or we're not writing things down. But I know several books that have talked about just writing things down. It can be very therapeutic yeah. and it can help you adapt to the emotions you're feeling and to grow long term. Yeah. And it helps you, ever- helps you articulate what you want, what you want to say too. Because a lot of times when you're not, you don't kind of write it down and you're kind of just experiencing things in the moment, you, you kind of lose yourself a bit. You don't, you can't really express totally. what you're trying to, what you're trying to say. So writing that down is able, is a way for you as you know, it's a medium for you to say, okay, this is what I'm, I felt in the moment. And this is how I can articulate this back to an individual that I was, you know, you know discussing with or. That Tyler, what you just said was so fascinating to me because how, okay. How often are we as adults, we have, the language, you know, yeah. we, whether it's English or some other language, we we know the words to to articulate what what we're feeling, right? We yeah. can either write it down f- to ourselves, or we can explain. Like I could talk, be talking to you right now, and I could say, Tyler, doing this podcast is making me very anxious. I'm 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 nervous. Like just you know, words that describe the emotions that we're feeling, right? And by the way, I'm not nervous because <laughs> we've done this a thousand times, but. As adults, we can we have that language, right? Yeah. As children, they don't really have all the words in the vocabulary. So often they like they just scream and I mean yeah. we have children, so yeah. we know what it's like. And you were just telling me this morning before we started recording <laughs> that your son had a temper tantrum like dropping him off for yeah. for preschool, yeah, that right? That was fun. <laughs> so yeah, and it's frustrating because because they're they're probably feeling some sort of emotion, but they don't know how to describe it. Yeah. So they just they what it ends up being is like kicking and screaming and throwing a fit. And you know, especially with babies, we're like, okay, well, it's got to be a dirty diaper, they're hungry, or they're tired, right? It's like one of three things. And then as parents, you sort of adapt to it, right? As adults, though, we don't need to do that. And but it often ends up some something like that, not on that end of the spectrum. But we end up like, you know, having a angry tantrum in a way, or like we have a meltdown because we are not articulating what we're feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It it really, really, it's amazing. It's fascinating (laughs) how much that doesn't really change childhood to adulthood. I mean, we, we, we experience, we experience those emotions, you know, and it's, you know, you think that you have all that language that, you know, like you mentioned, you can articulate that if you were able to, if, you know, not in experiencing those emotions in the current state, but we always kind of react with, I can't really explain myself, so I'm just going to get angry, raise voices, or just I'm going to shut down completely. 
Um, so it's this, so what I do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this. It's interesting to me how we kind of progress from you know childhood to adulthood, which is really not that not much in terms of expressing our emotions. Yeah. And I think that key is with with children is you got they have to understand these these emotions. And so it's kind of like working with them to understand, well, why are you angry? You know, why are you feeling this way? This yeah. is this is what anger is. You're angry because you didn't get a, a toy or you yeah. didn't you didn't get a go get a treat that you wanted or whatever. So it's it's kind of explain to them why why they feel this way. Or if you're sad, you know, it's all all that explaining to them in the in the simplest terms you can and then seeing where that that progresses yeah it was like you walk into any school or a doctor's office and there's like 10 smiley faces yeah. of all the ranges of emotions and it's like you know doctors will point out yep. like what on a you know this scale like what are you feeling right now about you know this pain or whatever it may be yeah and because it's it's they're visual like they can yeah. see the way their face should be and i know like because I have, I have children and the, it's funny how uh, emotionally intelligent they can be when like just aware of like what you're feeling. Like I don't even have to say a word. And if I show frustration on my face or disappointment in my face, they know it. Right. Yep. And so then they can make adjustments based on that. And it's funny, like verbalizing it becomes so much harder. It is. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. But yet they like, they could recognize it. So I think it's like to, to be emotional, ag- emotionally agile, you have to sort of look at, the visual aspects, body language, faces, but you also have to learn how to use your words pro- yeah. properly. Yeah. And, and this is dealing with a coworker. This could be dealing with an employee of yours. Yeah, they could just tie it together too. You know, it's, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you have you know the nonverbal cues and the nonverbal responses, but then you also tying that with you know how does this make me feel? Yeah, and I think that's one way to kind of help kind of navigate. Yeah, development for like you know children especially. So there's another concept that I want to just kind of move on a little bit. Concept that the author talked about, monkey mind. I don't know if you remember this part, but it was basically talking about you you obsess over the past, pulling from the the future, and it takes you out of the moment. So you're either like, I'm trying to think of an example, but uh, let's say you're just dealing with something in the moment and you should just like be in the moment. But yeah. yet you're maybe you had a similar situation in the past that you're pulling from and you're pulling those emotions from there. Or you're talking about, or you're thinking about the future in some capacity, and you're feeling like what the emotions maybe you would expect, and you're pulling those things together, and you're totally taken away from the moment. Yeah, no, I think that seems dangerous. I think when you're when you have, you're trying to pull in too many things all at once, you kind of overlook and neglect, you know, the current the current situation and the the reason why you're feeling this this certain way now, not because yeah. not, it could have been completely different maybe similar in the past, or you're looking towards the future and how this is going to react or how this is going to play out. But I mm-hmm. think that's, that's really, you're, you're making yourself too convoluted with, with, uh, with thoughts and feelings. Really, you should be focusing on why are you feeling this way now? Yeah. And, and then, and then take it from there. It's like, a, it's a, like a small step process. Yeah. I love that. The author also said that we need to embrace the beginner's mind. Have you ever like, and I know I know you have. Have you ever done like you played a game, or you maybe studied a new subject, or you read something that was like totally new to you, like a concept you had never even done? What did you feel in the moment? Like if you can recall back to something that that was so fresh to you, what did you feel? 
uh, it's just kind of like an opening, like an eye-opening experience yeah. to, to me. It's like, you know. You're open-minded, yeah, you're right? Open, it's something completely new, come, something completely you haven't understood before or, uh, or uh, yeah, you just, you're, you kind of embrace it with more of an open mind. As but you, you don't like, you don't pull from the past, right? No, you don't, no, you yeah. don't pull any emotions that you're feeling and you didn't pull from the future because you didn't even know what you're about to read yeah. or do or whatever, right? Yeah. So you're like you're just, you have a fresh set of eyes on it. You're like excited probably. Yeah. And you're, you're feeling all these things you haven't really felt before. And you're in the moment. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Yeah, that is, it literally, it's a, it's a great feeling. It's a great experience. Yeah. And that's why I think like the author said, we need to embrace the beginner's mind so that we look at things with a fresh eye, like fresh pair of eyes. Cause it, it's a, such a different experience than if you have preconceived notions about something. Yeah. Or you're just, you're, you're anticipating that it's going to feel a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, you can't let like the past cloud, you know, the feelings that you can experience in in the now, especially with new new emotions. Like and as you mentioned, like you know, books. You know, I I think like you know, movies or something like that. You so you watch a movie, you have no you have oh, no yeah. you know preconceived notions of what this movie. You may have like a summary of what it's about. Yeah, but you don't know how you're gonna feel when you're watching this movie, and then it could be a completely moving experience, and that you that you felt you know emotions that you didn't think you'd feel before or yeah. have felt before so i think that's kind of an it's another for me because i love movies i think that's kind of how i relate to oh that and there's been movies where i watch and it, to your point like all i maybe read was a summary or somebody just recommended yeah. it and you you finish it and you're like and you just can't stop thinking about yeah. it i know there's been several movies in the last couple of years that i've watched that i'm just like I can't, I'm like laying awake at, at night, just like thinking about it because it was just so mind blowing to me. And the, like the range of emotions I felt after like watching it, it felt so cool. It was like so fresh to me. Yeah. And that's, that, that's a great feeling. And I, I really, so I completely uh, agree with her take on the, the learner's yeah. mind. So I think that's kind of, you know, how we, I, I want to kind of perceive and kind of you view new experiences as well. Kind of well, fresh I feel like there's so many opportunities to do this throughout the day. Like we can have conversations with people or we, we can just ask them questions yeah. that might, they might draw out exactly. answers that we never would have thought of. So interactions with people, there's probably things that we can do during the workday that would inspire us and cause us to look at things from a unique perspective. And, and what we'd feel from that is probably just, it's rewarding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to put words in other people's mouth. I'm sure it would just, it would, it would have a lot of different meanings for a lot of people and they'd feel something exactly. very unique. No, I completely agree. This, uh, this example of, this is a husband wife situation, but you could apply this to anybody. And, and Tyler, you're laughing because yeah. you know what I'm going to say. This applies at work. Absolutely. Um, so there's an example and this is in the book, just making reference to it, but this is actually, I believe a YouTube video that was floating around there for a while, but it was uh, a husband wife the woman was venting about something and, but she's got a nail in her head in her forehead and the, the boyfriend or the husband is just sitting there, you know, kind of like looking like straight and like looking at the nail that's in her forehead. And she's like, there's just, there's just so much pressure. I could just feel it. And, and the boyfriend's like, well, you got a nail in your head. Like can I just <laughs> yeah. pull, that, pull that out. But she's like, no, you're not listening to me. Like, yeah. And he's like, well, you got a nail in your head. Like, no, but there's just so much pressure. Well, you got a nail in your head. And the whole point of this is that, you know, often, and this is not just a woman man thing, but a lot of people, instead of like listening to somebody or just allowing them to, to go through the range of emotions and vent and, and do all those things, we want to jump in and fix. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not really listening to them. Yeah. We're just like wanting to like hammer the nail, so to speak. And that was like the metaphor. And, 
but it's like the nail is just like on the surface, but there's deeper issues yeah, that yeah. she was trying to get out. How do we use this? How do we use that in, in work and in life, I guess? I think I think it's really just kind of, you know, yeah, you may understand or may know the problem, what the problem is, whether it be a nail in the head or some some kind of issue going on. But I think it's more important to understand the individual's uh, emotions and how they feel about that problem to really kind of you know, work towards fixing it or just yeah. even even if it, maybe it's not even fixing it. Maybe it's just understanding how they feel in that moment. And I think that's kind of will gain a better perspective on, on developing relationship with that person. Trust. The trust, right? yeah. You understand, you're, you're not trying to fix anything. I think we're inherently, yes. human beings inherently want to fix something. They always want to fix. I mean, it's kind of like that, but maybe, maybe certain <laughs> situations you don't, you can't fix it and maybe you shouldn't fix it maybe it's just a, let it be let it be and let's un- kind of understand yeah that person's <laughs> those person's feelings about it i was gonna draw an, uh, a comparison to like the 2008 2009 collapse of the economy yeah. it's like <laughs> oh you got the government and the feds they want to like try to fix it right they just yeah. jump in and fix it whereas like some people just say yeah, just let it be yeah and, exactly and, like let it go through its its the cycle, cycle. Yeah. And, and, and i mean there's two schools of argument or just anything like that but but your point is as human beings we want to like jump in and just yeah. fix things Sometimes they just need to like figure it out. People need to figure it out for themselves and people do need to go through the range of emotions yeah. and feel it be- because then that, that's a good learning opportunity to like they, they come across another thing in the future. Yeah. And now they know how to handle it because they've already been through it. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's more about addressing the, the, the emotions and the feelings behind the problem rather than addressing the problem itself head on. No pun intended if you look at the nail. <laughs> I love that. I think that's why they did that yeah, exact yeah. example is because it's like you could use so many puns. <laughs> I want to touch on like three different things and then I'll let you go. So there is this this thing about social contagion that the author brings up. And it's basically like you, you mindlessly plow through your day watching what other people are doing. And you make decisions based on what everybody else is doing and not your own so you're like you're totally not living in the moment you're watching you're observing what other people are doing and what they're doing might catch on and you might make silly decisions based on that example that we all hear keeping up with the the joneses right yeah you you see somebody that buys a car next to you or you're you you know maybe everybody in the neighborhood is buying like a new car seems that way so then you're like oh i'm gonna buy a new car too yeah i deserve it yeah whereas like was that the right decision yeah, I th- for your family, I think also to a lot of societal pressures. You know, you're trying to be conforming totally. and trying to be, you know, like everybody else. But really, I think you should really kind of take, you know, step back and kind of take an overview perspective of like, you know, just is this something that you want to do, or is this something that you think people would want you to do? Yeah. And so I think it's it's really, I think we've gotten a lot, we've taken a lot of focus on you know what others think of us rather than what we think of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of trying to kind of understand our emotions, yeah, uh, our emotions first, rather than kind of everybody else's. I mean, you think about it at work, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you care about what people think of you, maybe you're doing, you're making decisions based on like pleasing people all yeah. day long. Yeah. And so you're not doing anything that's actually fulfilling to you. And so then all of a sudden you're unhappy at work and you're going through all these emotions. Whereas like, if you just like stop, stop, thinking of other people first from that perspective and, and trying to please and trying to make decisions based on what other people want. Maybe we can figure out ourselves internally exactly. a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other quick thing. Um, 
So author says cheap thrills have high costs. What does she mean by that? Well, I think well, my take on it at least is that when you when you expect to experience things, you know, that are just kind of uh, not as they're kind of granular, not refined. Um, and it's in the moment, it kind, of, it kind of takes you away from kind of understanding of, of the emotion. So, um, you know, experiencing things that just might get like an immediate reaction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like an immediate positive reaction. Yeah, positive or, positive or negative reaction. A hit of like with dopamine exactly, or whatever. Yeah. Like, or just feels good. Yeah, whatever feels good in the moment. It's But it takes away from understanding the other yeah. emotions that you could be feeling. that And a deeper lining kind of understanding of, of uh, you know, your emotional yeah. uh, uh, state. Yeah, I could think of a lot of a lot of time we talk about we don't talk about a lot on this podcast, but it just goes into so much like employee productivity stuff, health related yes, things. Yeah. So like, you know, having a, a, a beer at night, you know, it's a nice cheap thrill. Yeah. You feel good in the moment yeah. or something or a glass of wine. And I'm not knocking that at all. But a lot of times we, we might do something like that where it's like, oh, I just need it. It's a, yeah. it, it will help my stress or, or whatever. Coping. But the high cost long term could be maybe your health depletes. Maybe you don't get good sleep. Yeah. Like there, that's what I think the author means is that we make decisions. Like maybe I didn't need a $5 latte a yeah. day from Starbucks because the high cost could be it's maybe not great for my health, but maybe I'm not going to sleep good tonight. Maybe my... Um, my checking account goes down as a result <laughs> yeah. of it. You know, yeah. like I think there there's so many things that you can do, but in the moment, like I felt good. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's like no quick fixes, especially when you're talking about, you know, your emotional health. Um, so I think it's, yeah, when you expect you get cheap thrills, you're going to get, you know, cheap responses and cheap kind of, you know, it's nothing deep. solvent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's nothing deep. It's not, you're not nothing, nothing no deep emotional change. Yeah, you're not as changing a yourself. You're not changing yourself. You're just kind of, kind of putting a band-aid on a situation yeah. know, where you just where it could be you know could get out of hand later on because yeah. you're not really addressing it real quick i wanted to go back to when we were talking about writing i brought it up i think so the the author actually cites some work uh and i don't have it in front of me but the, it, there's several pages on it but it basically talked about like there were studies done about people who write versus don't write they probably put them in a lab of some sort they basically said uh, in a nutshell the writing sessions that this group of people went through, it made people happier, less depressed, less anxious. They have better immune function, et cetera. There's a lot of yeah. things that came as a result of them just writing yeah. uh, their emotions and just what they were feeling at, uh, at the time versus the group that, that didn't. Yeah. Do you think that'd be a nice first step to getting a hold, I, like becoming more emotionally agile? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, journalizing or just kind of, writing down your yeah. feelings just not something something didn't have to happen for it to do that but just even every day you know mm -hmm. in the moment just write down what you're feeling just gives you a better sense of you know how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way and then mm -hmm. you know, maybe steps you can take to maybe address them in, in the next time they occur so i think yeah. it's always and it's a great way to kind of start articulating as we mentioned earlier articulating how you feel in a moment because it's def it's definitely different you know writing it down than verbalizing it yeah. So I think that's. I mean, and we've kind of gone away from that as like a society. We, I think no, so. no one really journalize. You know, journalizing. So no, it's like not a lot. We got bloggers. Yeah, man. bloggers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you guys got. We kind they of put it out on social media. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love um, it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's. I think that's a really healthy way to kind of take a first step. Yeah, I'm going to end with 
the most important question for people like you and me and hopefully other listeners out there in the same boat. How do we raise emotionally agile children? Those that really can't yeah. use the same words that we can. Yeah. I th- and as we mentioned earlier, it's kind of tying those nonverbal cues to, to this emotion, what, what the defining what the emotion is and why they felt that way. And I think with mm. kids, you have to, you really have to play into the fact that, they're not going to understand the words you use, maybe, at, yeah, at, maybe. right way, right? but, but you, can, you can tie that into, you know, facial expressions or, yeah. you know, how that made me feel. And, you know, it, I think that's kind of the way you have to relate to them on that level a little bit more. Um, just kind of. I like it. I like it. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's recognizing what they're feeling and actually sitting them down. It's like if they, if they, they felt something, they couldn't articulate it talk to him like talk through the situation and say like what were you feeling at the time like yeah saw your face and you got angry yeah like what was it and it's it's tough for parents too because when when your child is in the throes of a of a a tantrum or just an outburst or Mm. it's in like in a huge crying spree it's tough it's so easy to just mirror what it is right like they're screaming i'm gonna scream back at them kind of almost tease them in a way but it's like it's it's tough to say okay let's let's discuss this you know let's let's talk about this especially with the younger children but i think it's important because i think that they they need to understand how this is making not only how they feel about it but how it's making the parents feel as well so there's there's multiple understanding and i think that they can take that to you know their interactions with other children and and other adults as well so i think that's kind of important to kind of keep in mind well, awesome, Tyler. This book has been uh, a great read. I actually, I liked it. I think out of the group, a lot of people liked it. There's a couple people that didn't really like it. Um, some people loved it. Yeah, like one yeah. of their favorite books of the year. So I, I definitely encourage it. It's nice. It's a nice pairing with the emotional intelligence work. If you, if you've read books on that, uh, it is a little. It's a little different than emotional intelligence. Sure. Um, so yeah, this book has been emotional agility. Get Unstuck, Embrace Change, and Thrive in the Work and Life. Uh, it's by Susan David. Tyler Mavison, yes. you're the man. Yeah. Thanks for being part of the podcast. <laughs> uh, we'll have you back for the next book. Our next book is... What is our next book? The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Ooh. So oh, yeah, Patrick Lencioni. Once we, once we go through that, we will uh, have the discussion. We always like to do the podcast on the back end of the, the, the team discussion. So we'll do that. And... Um, Follow Tyler. He's on LinkedIn. You're on Twitter too, I think, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. So follow Tyler. Give him some love. Uh, let him know uh, how you like the podcast today. Uh, and follow me. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram as well. Um, thanks for being part of the podcast. Appreciate it, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.